0: Hello and welcome to The Sharpening Report. Today we have a very special guest, first time on the show, uh, author of a couple books that we'll be kind of delving into a little bit, but we're going to talk about some broader issues in our country. Uh, the first book is President Trump's Pro-Christian Accomplishments, and the second, Trump's Unfinished Business, Ten Prophecies to, Stay, to Save America. We welcome to the show Pastor Steve Chicolante. Steve, how are you doing?
1: God bless you. God bless you all the way from Australia. We're good. How are you?
0: Oh, doing great. It's uh, it's really good to finally get to meet you and talk with you and and have you on the show. Uh, this is something that I've been wanting to do for a while, and I'm I, I got to give a, a shout out to our our friends at Arc Business, Ray, Rich and Jamie, for uh, making this connection, making this happen. So big thank you to them. Thank you for making time to come on the show.
1: Awesome, awesome. Glad we can make it.
0: Good deal. So, for first, for those who might be new to your ministry and and uh, maybe they're they're new to you, can you introduce yourself? Give us a bit of your background and the kind of ministry work that you do today. Um, well,
1: I'm half Thai, half Australian, and I spent some time in America uh, for my education, for my ministerial training. So I have a have a lot of passion for. Um, revival in America. So we we talk a lot about that. We talk about prophecy for the past 20 years, and we have a church here in Melbourne, Australia.
0: Fantastic. Uh, So let's jump right into it. Um, Let's talk about Trump's pro-Christian accomplishments. I've heard Christians say before, and especially, I mean, at the time of this recording, we're like 20 days from the election, uh, so time is getting really short here where people need to get active and and get moving, but there's a lot of complacency. I've heard Christians say before that they can't vote for Trump uh, because he doesn't act Christian. And other than, instead of voting for the other guy, they just choose to either vote through Third party or just not vote at all um, in your opinion is that a mistake
1: yeah I mean we want everyone to act that <laughs> of course um, but how many world leaders act Christian by that standard so we'd have to define what do they mean by act Christian you know is starting wars acting Christian is uh, increasing tax is that acting Christian um, there's gonna be a lot of revelation coming out about what's gone on in Benghazi we know what's happened in Iran I mean, what, what would be more Christian than bringing peace to North Korea, to uh, the Middle East? To me, the Bible says that blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. So the standard of being Christian, I understand that uh, Trump is a bit, you know, for lack of a better word, he's very straightforward, isn't he? Yeah. Very straightforward, yeah. and he can be, to some people, very offensive, especially, especially for us Christians. We wouldn't expect him to come in the pulpit and speak that way. Um, but I think God has chosen him because, precisely because he isn't that way. And that's something that Christians need to be aware of, that God often chooses the unlikeliest person. And we've made a mistake. The religious community has made the biggest mistake by rejecting Jesus Christ, isn't it? Back Amen. in the first century, we just thought, well, God's going to use this type of person and not that type of person. And this idea happens again and again, and it and it ends up that we miss out on the will of God. So God we used Nebuchadnezzar, and the whole fight at that time was, we don't believe we should follow Nebuchadnezzar. And prophet after prophet, especially Jeremiah, had to say, no, if you submit to Nebuchadnezzar, even though you disagree with his style, personality, action, um, it's going to go well for you. Seek the peace and submit yourself to Nebuchadnezzar. Same with Cyrus. So Trump has been compared to, Cyrus, maybe you could compare him to Nebuchadnezzar, and these are people that God used, but they were actually heathen. Trump professes to be Christian. Trump speaks uh, very positively about the church, and Trump's actions have been very pro-church and in defense of the church. There's so many examples of that in in the book, Trump's Pro-Christian Accomplishments. When people say, can you name anything Trump's done, you can just grab the book and list out not one, not two, but a hundred things, more than a hundred things, He's done so much that is pro-Christian. So do I defend his action and his speech? No. But I don't need him to come and preach in my pulpit. I'm already doing that job. I need him to go and negotiate with bad guys like Kim Jong-un. I need him to you know, put his foot down so that uh, you know, different ty- tyrannical countries do not abuse um, Christians in their country. And he would set them free. You know, he literally sets the captives free from their prisoners. How much more Christian is that? So he said, over 50 um, hostages free all over the world. Many of those people are Christian. Many of those are pastors. So I think that we need to be judging him by his fruits, which is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7. Don't judge by appearance. Don't judge by style, but judge by the fruits. What is happening? Prisoners are being set free. Peace is being negotiated. Um, so many good things, you know, that, that's in that book.
0: Yeah, I, I completely yeah, I, agree, and that's kind of how I look at it, too, because um, there's a lot of lies going around about Trump that even Christians will believe in. And the whole idea that like he doesn't act Christian enough. Well, how many of us you know, really act Christian if we were going to hold ourselves to that same standard? Because I've seen things online, uh, re- really just awful things being posted about Trump from so-called Christians who claim that he's not acting Christian, yet in their condemnation of Trump they're calling him all sorts of uh, – uh, it's really perverse names and things and it's like, well, I wouldn't really call that two Christians, so maybe this is a little hypocritical. Uh so yeah, but I totally agree with you that that it's it's we're not electing a pastor here. We're we're electing a president and who among these two choices, because that's just how our system is set up, and you know people can agree or disagree with that, but that's how it's set up. Who among these two choices is going to be uh the, the best for the country, especially for the children I mean he he's like our most pro-life president, which is great to see. you think we would have gotten that with hillary or or will would we get that with Biden Of course not you know they they claim to have a form of godliness they they claim that they're they're a Christian or they're Catholic you know they'll say that, but then in their actions the fruit is rotten so I would rather take somebody who might be might be brash and you know might be hyperbolic but where the fruit the actual fruit of what he does instead of just looking at what he says what he actually does is uh, is good. And so I totally agree with you there. Um, there are, um, there's a lot of lies being spread about him, and really just about the whole election process in general. Uh, what are some of the lies that you've come across when, when talking with people? And I, I know you pastor a church as well, so you probably get a lot of questions about this. Uh, what are some of the lies that come against Trump that you've noticed that some Christians are falling for?
1: I think the lies come against the Christian, first of all. Yeah. You know the lies originate from Satan, and because Christians uh, have certain beliefs that don 't line up with the Word of God, it really doesn 't matter who 's there there's going we 're going to keep seeing unrighteousness and injustice prevail until we correct some things in ourselves so one of the first lies that I think that has greatly damaged the cause of the kingdom of Christ is that people believe that they need to be totally disengaged they got to be um, apolitical and and in fact, whatever the government does, they need to submit to it. And I've even had pastors tell me that, and they quote Romans chapter 13. Yeah. That that, that teaches, you know, unconditional submission. That you're go- you have unlimited submission to tyranny and wicked government. Now, if that were true, I mean, before we get to the Bible, if that were true, America wouldn't even exist. Right. Because the American founding fathers actually had to struggle with how would they interpret Romans 13 in light of the revolution that they were about to you know, participate in against the tyrannical government of King George III. And they went through that and then they explained themselves. The whole point was Romans 13 was explained in the American Declaration of Independence. So I don't understand how 200 odd years later we have pastors not understanding that Romans 13 never said you have to submit to anybody Anytime for any reason that obviously isn't true and the proof of of that is you got to compare Romans 13 against Revelation 13 Very easy in Revelation 13 God said Don't take the mark of the Antichrist. Don't take the mark of the beast. Well, what is that that is civil disobedience? That is saying there's a law passed by a very wicked ruler and you as a believer cannot violate your conscience and accept this even though it's law. And this is what the Nazis did. They passed laws that said it was okay to do great evil and people said, oh well, the government said so, so we just go along. And in the Nuremberg trial, they said when the, you know, the soldiers, the generals, all these Nazis that killed Jews and of course committed many other atrocities, when they came up on trial, they defended themselves and said, well, we were just doing what's legal. And the Nuremberg trial said, no, that's not acceptable because you know that there is a higher law that that violated morality. So whenever we're called to violate morality and go against God's word, we're under no obligation to follow it. So this is the fine line. And people say, well, how do I draw the line? Uh, one way I would say, for instance, is right now there's a mandate in Australia and probably in many parts of America where the government's told us you got to wear a mask. OK, well, that's inconvenient. It, there's dispute whether that's scientific and wh- how much that works. Many people are infected who had a habit of wearing masks. But if really push comes to shove, we're not talking about denying Jesus Christ. We're not talking about disobeying God's word. We're just talking about something that is a loss of freedom and we don't like it. But I wouldn't get up and rebel for that. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah? definitely. So, Yeah, but if but if you're talking about murdering babies— if you're saying it's okay for a baby to be born, you know, a one minute before it's born, you're allowed to just dismember it and take its life away. And this is a fully formed human being that would be adopted. That, that you know, there are safe haven laws in America where if a mother just didn't want to raise that child, she could walk away. And there are one to two million uh, women or couples in America who would love to adopt. So you have no excuse at all to take human life and kill that that life. So in that case, if the law says that it's okay to kill a baby, I would say, well, Christians need to act on conscience and act on God's word and say, no, we can't obey that. I don't care if it's the Supreme Court. I don't care if it's the Supreme Court of the universe. It doesn't matter. This is against God's law. So we need to reclaim our biblical understanding of justice, that we are here as as agents of justice. We're representatives of Jesus on the earth, and we don't give that up because of elections. You know, we there are elections of, of bad people, and they pass bad laws. So Romans 13 unequivocally does not state that we have to submit to every wicked law in the world. And Jesus was our great example. He often did not submit to ridiculous laws that the Pharisees passed, and they were the powerful people of the day, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. Daniel did not submit When Nebuchadnezzar said you have to worship this idol and never pray to your God, he did not submit. We laud these examples as heroes. They're heroes of the faith. And yet today the church has become passive because the church believes this lie. We can't be active. We can't resist. We are here to be salt. That means the world is corroding. It's decaying. We're here to be salt. So amazingly, I think this relates to Trump because Trump is not just one man. He's also the born he's represents an administration. There's a born again vice president. There's a born again secretary of state. Uh, there's a born again secretary of HUD, housing and urban development. There are all these Christians that are being given positions of influence that is salting America. So we want to stop that rot and we want to stop the moral decay. So I think a vote for Trump, it's not even if you didn't like Trump the fact that there are all these christians there that we've never seen in in so many in an administration it's very good plus he's got this pastoral advisory that we know many of the you know prominent pastors are on that advisory and they're speaking into his ear and saying what would the bible say what would be a, the godly thing to do so i just think it's a great time for america if the church would wake up we should be leading It shouldn't be the Trump administration or any politician leading. We should be leading the way to restore righteousness and justice on the earth
0: amen and you know that's how america is is set up anyway it's supposed to be the people governing themselves it's supposed to be you know we're the leaders and our so-called leaders you know the people in washington the people in the government are supposed to be serving us and yet we've we've been we've we've kind of been tricked in the past few decades into thinking that that is flipped and that we are under subjection of our our overlords of our rulers and america was never set up that way uh they they are supposed to be like you could think of it as, as they're employed by us we're the ones that vote them in so all of that it, th- those are such good points for us as Christians to, to realize that you know we can't just shirk our responsibility to be the ones leading this charge and just let the government handle it you know we we have to realize that the way that America was set up we were always the ones that are supposed to be leading and we part of how we do that is we elect good people uh, in places of power where they can actually get something done and I, I think Trump is uh, somebody that can do that that. Uh, speaking of which, uh, his foreign affairs, a lot of people have um, some Christians have, have looked at like his his peace treaties and things and they try to line that up with uh, Bible prophecy and you know some people are saying that Trump is the Antichrist which I don't see really how that could even be possible because the Antichrist there, there's too many incongruities there uh, in, in my opinion but they're, they're looking at these peace treaties and saying well the Antichrist is going to make a peace treaty so doesn't that isn't that something that we as Christians should pay attention 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 to. How how do you look at these uh, peace treaties? Do you think they're prophetic? Do you think they're good? They're bad? How how should Christians be be looking at these?
1: Yeah, so you can't just pull out one scripture (laughs) and then just create a whole doctrine. I mean, that's one of the classic examples of misinterpreting the Bible. Yes. So there's a timeline. It's why it's so important to learn the timeline of end times. There's a timeline for when things happen, and certain things come before other things. So you can't just say any peace treaty in the world means the person who struck the peace treaty is the Antichrist. Then you, no war would end. Every war ends with a peace treaty. That's right. And, and you know, the, the opposite of that would be absurd, wouldn't it? That would mean that anyone who starts a war on the earth is not the Antichrist. <laughs> it, you know, anyone who, who's killing and, and, and starting wars. The thing is, Donald Trump is the first president in memory in our lifetime that hasn't started a war during his entire term right he deserves the a peace treaty just for that if he did nothing else he's just kept you know men boys or well, soldiers uh, it, it's it's men and women out of harm's way didn't send them to a, a new foreign country that they can't even find on the map to go and a, and get maimed and get killed so he really has has done the right things with a from a christian perspective now not every peace treaty not every effort towards peace qualifies somebody to be the antichrist and the abraham accords certainly don't do that we're not in the right timing we don't have the antichrist uh, blaspheming god revealing and calling himself god he's not of a middle eastern background which i think the bible is very clear yes that it's a middle eastern you know story and it's going to be a middle eastern conflict so all these theories about uh, Russian antichrist, like Gorbachev was the antichrist because he had one birthmark on his head. That is really a bad way to, mit- to, to interpret the Bible. You can't just play footloose with the Bible like that because then it brings shame and dishonor to prophecy. And people just say, well, look, it, this is a joke because you say this and you keep saying that person is the antichrist and this is now the, the final end. And it's not. We actually be- believe the whole Bible. So the peace accord is a good thing because peace allows people to hear the gospel. We want an atmosphere of peace so that the gospel can go in. If there's conflict, if there's war, if there's religious intolerance, imprisonment of, of Christians, you're not going to get the general population to hear the gospel. And that's why the Middle East has been quite closed. I'm actually looking forward to a few more years where they're going to open up. Because of the peace deal, they're open up to Commerce. That means they open up to tourism. That means they're not just going to persecute you if you hand out gospel tracts. They're going to become more religiously tolerant. They're going to allow worship. They're going to allow prayer on the Al-Aqsa Mosque. I'm looking forward to that. Some of the audience who hasn't been to Israel don't realize there all these restrictions, um, even in Israel. I think these things are going to begin to loosen up. And a kind of peace. Of course, it's not the permanent peace. There is no permanent peace on earth. But a, a peaceful pervade in the Middle East, that will then allow for more people to hear the gospel. That is a good thing. Now, will it end well? Of course, we know the story. We know that there will be a false messiah. There will be a bad guy who will promise a false peace, and then he will desecrate the temple. But there's no temple there yet either. So the timing isn't lining up. I think it's a good thing. And and he should get the Nobel Peace Prize. He's He's been nominated four times already for the Nobel Peace Prize, which is for next year. Uh, this year's prize should be called the Nobel Food Prize because they gave it to the UN food program. I mean, its I, I, I thought it was supposed to be given to a person or shared among a couple of people, but they're just it's almost like they're patting themselves on the back, you know, giving it to the UN. Um, but I think it's a good thing. So, again, we, we love prophecy. Prophecy is exciting, but we don't need to exaggerate it. We don't need to stretch it. I think it's a great thing what God is doing to bring peace, more peace on the earth. It's good for the gospel.
0: Amen. I completely agree with you. The sensationalism around prophecy, you know, has become a huge problem. And you know, it's one thing to ask questions or wonder about things. I I don't have any problem with that. But there are people out there who will uh, do exactly what you said. They will take one scripture out of context, completely out of context. They'll ignore the rest of the prophecies and they'll focus on that one thing and build an entire doctrine out of it. And usually, when people do that, it's not because they love prophecy. It's usually not even because you know they love the Bible and they're. just you know, spiritually immature, and they're mistaken. It's usually because they want to build an audience and they want to get more clicks and they want to be sensationalistic because they can uh, sell more ad space if they do that. Unfortunately, we see that a lot, and uh, and it's a problem. So I really appreciate what you're doing on your YouTube channel because um, I've watched several of your videos, and to me, they're just they're on point. Like that, it, it all flows uh, good. It makes sense, and I, I really like your your teachings and what you're doing. Um, so if if Christians remain passive, you know what. What What's like some of the biggest reasons that we can uh, talk about to motivate people to go out and vote? Because the, the, the time is growing real short. Um, at the time of this recording, I, I think it's like 20 days. By the time this actually gets posted, it'll be even less than that. So if... Christians remain passive. What are the dangers that will happen from that? You know, c- could that mean that Trump doesn't get reelected? What would the dangers there be? Or even if he does get re- reelected, but Christians are passive, uh, and and you know, anyway, what 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 is the dangers of passivity, and why should people get out and vote?
1: Well, it's just like I said that Trump isn't just one man. He's an administration of many, many godly people. I forgot to say Betsy DeVos as well. She's really trying to bring reform to the Department of Education. You know, prayer in the Bible has been kicked out because of secularism. So he, he represents a whole group of influential people. In the same way, Joe Biden represents that. It's not just Sleepy Joe. It's not just, well, I like Joe or I don't like Joe. It's the fact that if Joe Biden were to get in, What you're going to have is a scenario possibly of Bernie Sanders as the secretary of state, Uh, you know, a truly openly Marxist person. This is what America used to fight against. Right. You would have a Marxist right there in the Oval Office in one of the highest positions next to the president. You'd probably have Elizabeth Warren in the Department of Treasury. Um, Kamala Harris would probably become president fairly soon. And, you know, she's one of the most radical San Francisco uh, prosecutors and was her policies were very damaging to uh, minorities and incarcerated blacks at a higher rate than all the other races for for even nonviolent drug offenses. So these are the things that are are coming. And then they're going to seize the opportunity to bring in globalism, uh, carbon taxation, digital taxation. You know, how many of you want to be digitally followed? all the time. There'll be no sense of privacy. So these are the kind of things that are waiting in the wings. And we know that because, not because it's theory, but because people like me that are living outside of America are looking in and we say, we already have that. Like a total radical left control of our state. We're in the worst lockdown in the world. We have curfews. We have a driving, five kilometer driving limit. Um, We now have Uh, a premier who's trying to empower more people, not just the police, but increase the police power of the state so that other people designated by the government who are not trained as police will have detaining power, arrest power, uh, based on suspicion of a risk. This is something like pre-crime, like in the minority report. This is what people who are godless, anti-Christ, anti-religion, and their left wing and their globalists, they are already heading towards. So it matters to us because it is not just a political issue. It's now a spiritual issue that is affecting the freedom of the church, freedom of religion. We've been down that road. Australia, New Zealand, parts of Europe, we're already down that road. For America, a lot of people, when I go to America, I know a lot of people never even step, you know, foot outside of America um, They think Canada is the 51st state and I'm making a little bit of fun of of people. But, (laughs) you know, you literally can spend all your life in America and never have gone to all 50 states. It's just that big.
0: Yeah.
1: But people don't know that, that outside of America, there is a world of globalists, socialists, communists who have oppressed people for decades. And these countries are where people are fleeing to try to seek freedom in a nation like America. So it's not theory. This kind of oppressive control, this kind of police state exists throughout much of the world, and it's wanting to take over America. And Christians have to wake up. It's not a personality contest. It's not a beauty pageant. It really represents—Joe Biden would represent all of these radical people rising to power. Can you believe, like Andrew Cuomo—I lived in, this, in New York for—I consider myself a New Yorker. Mm-hmm. And Andrew Cuomo is probably responsible for more COVID deaths— than anybody outside of China.
0: Yeah, and he's getting praised for it. (laughs) And yet he would probably
1: become the attorney general. Yep. His stance against um, the opening of Jewish synagogues, Christian churches, was very anti-religious, was very blatant. And if he were to become the attorney general or any other position with the Joe Biden administration, you can forget about it. You know, you're not going to have John MacArthur and others opening up their churches during COVID lockdown it's going to be a strict clampdown and they're going to come straight to the churches because they know that we are the moral institution of society. We are the ones that, that hold back. You know, who was it? uh, King Henry II, was it? Who who famously said, who's going to rid me of this troublesome priest? It's always been the cry of tyrants. Who's going to get rid of the, the Christian moral voices because they're the ones that are holding back our abortion agenda full-term abortion agenda, our agenda against traditional marriage, our agenda to go to digital taxation and total surveillance of people's lives. They want absolute control because if there is no God, who's left? The government. It's a natural progression. Once you take God out of people's families and lives and hearts, who's left to trust in and follow? Everybody is looking, even though they say that they're not looking. They're looking for absolute standards of judgment. They're looking for someone to trust. And the godless, often on the left, end up worshiping government. And government isn't God. So there's such a danger to our religious freedom and our way of life that the founding fathers have built for the past 200 years. America is a unique experiment that maybe people stop appreciating because you enjoy the wealth of it and the comforts and the safety of it for so long, but I'm speaking from outside and I'm saying this election is very, very important. And not only domestically, you would have all of these very radical people in the White House and possibly in Congress, but internationally you're going to have, if Biden were the president, you're going to have an administration that sells America out to China. That's already happened. You know, they go into China and they make backroom deals where Hunter Biden is then given a, a billion dollar, you know, um, uh, billion dollars in money for his, for his fund that he was running. And it's, it's happened in other countries as well. So it's going to be uh, China, Iran, all of these states that don't have America's interests, but, but, but have anti-American interests, they're going to have a heyday because they know now they have someone in the White House that will not act on principle and will not put their foot down and they're going to be able to take advantage of that. So not only domestically, but internationally, the impact is going to be huge.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. It would be a very, very uh, dark future, indeed, if we don't um, get motivated and get out there to vote. But it can also be a very bright future. So what are we looking forward to? Where Where is the hope in all of this? If Christians do get out there and decide to vote, uh, what 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 could the next four years look like on the positive side of things?
1: Well, we we only have to look back at the last four years. And as I said, Donald Trump has been nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize four times. I mean, that's what we can look forward to more of. We can look forward to him brokering very difficult deals that no other president has been able to do. And they're not token. They are really important. So we're going to see four more years of what's uh, happened already. We're going to see a very pro-life administration. We're going to see the overturning of Roe v. Wade. We're going to see the Bible and prayer brought back to public schools. I'm actually naming the ten top 10 agendas that I call the 10 prophecies that will save America. That's in my, my earlier book, Trump's unfinished business. Why should he be reelected? Because God has unfinished business. There are things that haven't been done. I think the, the whole thing about social media needs to be tackled. And I propose it in Trump's Unfinished Business. It's not just, you know, the way that we're doing it, we're very reactive. We're saying, what if we break up Google? What if we break up separate this and that? That doesn't really work. It's like trying to, it's not like, you know, a hundred years ago where you can break up banks or things like that. They're all, these are the guys who invent algorithms. They'll just find a way to collude again. You know, if they want to de-platform someone, they can, they deplatform whether you like him or not, they deplatform Alex Jones within 24 hours and it didn't matter it was Apple Spotify Facebook boom they're gone when they want to get someone silenced, they stop your patreon they stop your PayPal they stop your payment gateways just like Revelation 13 says the Antichrist will not allow you to buy and sell unless you are approved you know you have a mark of approval so um, I don't know if I've, I've answered your question, but there are, there are so many agendas that are not yet done. So with the digital, uh, what I call a solution for social media would be called a digital bill of rights. And I outline what would that involve. And they're very practical steps. We shouldn't be reactive is what I was saying. We should be proactive. So to secure uh, our digital rights is something the founding fathers could not have imagined. It's not something that was on the horizon. So... We need now a digital bill of rights to make sure that um, the free market of ideas does not get stymied and get censored by these people with a very specific agenda. We want freedom and we want a right to our own data. We don't want to be mined. We don't want to be controlled. Our data is our right. So that's something that really needs to be secured in a second administration. It will never happen with Kamala Harris as president or Andrew Cuomo as attorney general. But it could happen. It could very well happen with Donald Trump. And he would need another four years to do something that radical because even the rhinos, the Republicans in name only, they're not for this. Somehow, I don't know how, but it seems like they're getting some sort of benefit from the tech giants. And so they're not wanting to touch this issue. It should have been dealt with. And this is why we're going to have a very, you know, I hope we don't have a contested election. But it, it looks so on edge because social media is completely In you know, they're in the same camp as Biden, and they're trying to help him win. And you do any search term, and you'll see it's all negative on Trump. In fact, it was so difficult. I had a team of seven people researching what has Trump done for the past four years. Believe it or not, it was really difficult to do a Google search on things like this. We really had to dig, and that's why this book is really valuable. Any objective person will see that God has used this administration to further His agenda, but. The media doesn't want you to know it's hidden. So we need to get the word out. And I think 20 days is is very short, but it's not too late. If they're open minded, undecided Christians, they need to find out uh, through Trump's pro-Christian accomplishments how much God has done. And that's what we can look forward to. So I have great hope. I have great hope. We're moving towards a great awakening. I think our, our best years can be ahead, but we need to pray for the next 20 odd days.
0: Uh, Well, yeah, and I'm right there with you. I have that same hope. And I I love what you said about being proactive instead of reactive, because we see a lot of reactiveness. We see a lot of people in mainstream conservative even, mainstream conservative hosts of shows with millions of, of viewers who the entire show is basically reacting to what the left is doing. You know, that's basically what all those shows are. Here's what the left did today. Here's what the left did today. And then when you hear these guys speak in public, the question that they always get, From college students, is what can we do to combat this stuff? You know, what can we do to not be censored? And then the answer is always we need to build something new. So it's like, they know that a proactive solution is gonna be the thing that, that's, that's gonna turn things around. A proactive solution, voting the right person and coming up with our own solutions instead of just reacting to the left. But a lot of times on their own shows, all it is is reacting to their, to, to the left, uh, Christians and conservatives. And that's what I like about your YouTube channel because you actually, I, in my opinion, in your videos, you are proactive. Uh, you know, you do proactive Bible studies, you're giving people, uh, you know, solutions, things that they can apply into their own lives. And that that's what the church really needs. I just I love that about you and about your channel. Um, I do have something else I want to ask you about but before we do, uh, where can people find you online, get your books and watch you on YouTube?
1: Okay, so you can uh, come online at discoverchurch.online. All right? You can in fact we have an online church. We're not allowed to meet physically at all. So you can actually join online church at discoverchurch.online. You can search discover ministries on YouTube and you'll find two of our channels there. We're heavily censored. We're very suppressed. Um, I have, you know, more subscribers today than I did four years ago and yet I have less views. So clearly YouTube is doing something, monkeying with it, but we're there. We're still there. So uh, you can check us out on YouTube and our books are on Amazon, Apple, Um, I think uh, one or two are on Barnes and Noble. So we're getting into that market as well. But Amazon is the main one. Very easy to find. If you can spell my last name, you will find those books there.
0: Excellent. Uh, All right. In the members section, I want to ask you specifically uh, if America is an end times Bible uh, prophecy and if Trump is a part of that plan. But for that, people viewing for free will have to go to dailyrenegade.com and get a membership where you can view the rest of this Sharpening Report episode, plus many other shows that we have available. It's not just Sharpening Report. It's also Peck Report. uh, It's Christian Marauder. We have several uh, Detox Babylon, several shows that we offer you uh, at, at a very reasonable price. And again, consider that price as a donation to the ministry. We're trying to build a place where we are free from censorship. We're free from trolling that you get uh, online. No one's going to pay their own money to go and troll you. We have not had that problem at Daily Renegade yet, and I don't anticipate it anytime soon. So if you feel led, uh, come be a part of the family. Help us build a place where we're free from that stuff like censorship and uh, where we can all fellowship. DailyRenegade.com All right, members, hang on the line. Everybody else, thank you so much for joining and until next time, take care and God God bless.